from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. She knew how to unite people. I mean, she had a higher vision for all of us. Um, And I can't imagine how empty the street will be without her. She really felt strongly that um, Cherokee Street is and and should always be Calle Cherokee. She was kind of like the mayor on Cherokee Mm. Street unofficially. She she was a bridge builder. I remember Carlos telling me, like, if she approves that we could do this work, if she says that they need it, then it'll happen great discussions because, you know, we're all from different parts of Mexico, so we all think we make the best margaritas or the best tacos, and she was definitely not going to let us share that. I'm Jeremy Goodwin. In late June, St. Louis lost a pillar of the Cherokee Street community. Minerva Lopez Montaigne died at 60 years old. The Latina entrepreneur did much to cement Cherokee Street as a Latino business district. She helped businesses expand in that neighborhood and beyond. She created uh, many events, social events. She was also known, I'm told, for her cooking and award-winning margaritas. Here to discuss the life and work of Minerva Lopez Montaigne is Gabrielle Ramirez Arellano. You are, she is co-host of St. Louis Public Radio Produced Podcast. We live here on Tentico. Excuse me, Atentico. She's also executive director of the Center for Emerging Technologies and director of entrepreneurship at Cortex. Gabriela Ramirez Arellano, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to reflect on Minerva and everything that she did for us. Uh, how would you describe her influence on Cherokee Street over the years? Oh, my gosh. Minerva was... A woman of grace and courage, and if I can say in Spanish, very stubborn, terca, terca como ella sola, something that I really loved about her. But at the end of the day, it was always about community for her, about advocating for for us. Um, and she showed up with uh, for everything and anything that she sent, set her mind to, to make sure that the street and the residents on the street near the street, and the Hispanic community in St. Louis um, had access. And, you know, during the 20 years that she was here, access meant a lot of different things. How would you say the the perception of Cherokee Street within the city, but also among the folks who live and work there, has changed in these last couple decades? I mean, she brought life to Cherokee in mm. a lot of many different ways, and she's not the only one, right? There are a lot of people. But Minerva was a convener, so... A lot of the efforts and initiatives that happened on Cherokee Street were either started by her or somehow she had a contribution or a say-so in how they happened. Um, the thing about Minerva, too, was that she knew what the community needed. She, you know, talked to them a lot. But she also had access to the powers that be on the street, in the community, and in St. Louis to help make some of those things possible. Um, She was an integral part of the success of the Spanish-speaking business owners, especially because language access has always been a problem. And so even during the pandemic, um, she was the one that was helping them fill out the grant applications for any Mm. of the grants that the city and the St. Louis Economic Development put out. Um, advocating. I mean, I met her because Carlos Restrepo, who he's been on St. Louis Public Radio as well, introduced me to her in 2016 when I was working with him at the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce because we wanted to make sure that the street 
and the business owners got had the resources that they needed. And I remember Carlos telling me, like, if she approves that we could do this work, if she says that they need it, then it'll happen. She was kind of like the mayor on Cherokee mm. Street unofficially. Well, we, we asked some other folks on Cherokee Street for their memories of Nerva. Uh, Carlos Dominguez is owner of Don Carlos Restaurant and Latino America Americana Grocery Store. He worked with her there for about 15 years. He says she really knew how to unite people and to get business owners thinking of themselves as part of a community. She knew how to unite people from, from both uh, English and Spanish uh, communities. She, she was a bridge builder. For, for for a lot of uh, Spanish Mexican uh, business persons, you know, we didn't. Some of us didn't speak a lot of English and didn't. Um, we just wanted to run our business. We, we weren't involved in the community, but she did. She she made us get involved in the community and and, and start um, everybody mixing uh, and and not just thinking about us, but but thinking that it's the street for all of us, uh, Spanish community and, and, and American uh, English-speaking community. Carlos talks about her as a bridge builder. Does that resonate with you? Uh, definitely. I mean, she had a higher vision for all of us, um, and I can't imagine how empty the street will be without her. Mm. Uh, as I say, I'm told that she one thing she excelled at was uh, in, the ki- in the kitchen, that she was known for some of her dishes. Did you, did you have a chance to? Definitely. Well, she, I was always privy to her Facebook posts that always made me hungry because she would post everything she made. Okay. Uh, but we also had some opportunities. Last year, we got together with another friend, Mireya Reyes, uh, to make the, um, the king's bread at the beginning of the year. So that was exciting, right? Because uh, she was a convener and she was an advocate, but she also wanted to continue to share our Mexican culture. And a lot of times she did that through food. Um, so it was just always an opportunity to have great discussions because, you know, we're all from different parts of Mexico. So we all think we make the best margaritas or the best tacos. And she was definitely not going to let us share that. Uh, she she did want to let go of that, the, the distinction of having the best stuff? Yes, the, okay. the best. I mean, and she did a great, like I said, she brought a lot of activities and events to Cherokee Street that really highlighted uh, Mexican culture, Hispanic culture uh, in St. Louis. So I really think that... Um, we're just going to miss her so much. What What's an event that, that she started that you think is particularly meaningful? Um, she has, I don't know what it's, I don't remember what it's called. It's a margarita tasting one okay. that was really popular. She also started doing um, something around Day of the Dead. So last year she built a huge altar and we dressed up. Um, we were really able to um, like share the different meanings of what the Day of the Dead celebration mean. Uh, in 2020, she hosted like virtual classes that taught people how to make the sugar schools and other things around Day of the Dead. And that's just one example. Yeah. And uh, let's talk a bit about her work to keep people healthy during the coronavirus pandemic. You worked closely with her to connect Spanish speakers with resources like vaccines, medical appointments, general info on how to stay safe. Uh, I understand you conducted weekly food drives also for hundreds of St. Louis families what did you learn about Minerva through through this period? I mean, it just cemented with us and with STL Juntos, which is the organization that we were working under, how much and how 
how much she's driven and passionate by the community, right? Um, it was easy for her to, it could have been easy for her to say, hey, I, I don't really want to get involved because it's a lot of work. But as soon as we reached out and say we're trying to do food distributions, she helped us get locations for those distributions that were happening several times on the street. She helped us get, you know, everything that we needed, whether it was the volunteers or the tables and the people to come out and get the food. Um, and then as we pivoted to vaccine access and vaccine information, she made sure that she helped us disseminate. The thing about Minerva was a lot of people trusted her and knew her. So it was essential for the Spanish-speaking community in St. Louis to have her share those same messages about the things that we were trying to do, whether it was come get food or come and learn about the vaccine or come get vaccinated. Um, a lot of times she would show up with groups of people because they didn't have a ride or they couldn't access the the resources themselves. So it was always important for us to get her buy-in on anything that we did on Cherokee Street. And you describe the importance of her sort of endorsement of something, but when you talk about her as a convener, that's, that sounds very meaningful to me. That That's so important. Yeah, like I said, she knew people in so many different circles. So she could convene, you know, the Spanish-speaking business owners that maybe didn't know me at all with Emily, who leads the Cherokee uh, Street Business Association and the Hispanic Chamber people, um, the city council members and people that are actually making decisions in the city, the developers on Cherokee Street. Um, so when we wanted access to a building maybe that was empty that was not hers or Carlos's, she knew who we could talk to to make sure that we could access it. So her convening really was to benefit the community. Hmm. Let's hear from someone else on the street who had some thoughts about Minerva. Emily Fenhouse is executive director of the Cherokee Street Community Improvement District. She said Minerva is just an incredible community leader. I can remember going to somebody's home in, in deep South County to try tamales that Minerva really wanted me to me to taste and to highlight, you know, the different cuisine of Mexico that's represented here in St. Louis. I can recall stories of her over the years, um, even in her relationship with the, the business association, you know, speaking out about um, the importance, especially of the uh, Mexican entrepreneurial community here on Cherokee and how that grounded so much of the future development of, of the street. She really felt strongly that um, Cherokee Street is and, and should always be Calle Cherokee. Mm, and that, that's Emily Tenhouse. Does, the way she speaks about Minerva, does that jibe with, with your thoughts too? Yes, definitely. And Calle Cherokee is how we referred to the street whenever we were talking to each other. And I really, I'm using words like meaningful and important when I talk to you, but it sounds like she was a, she was a fun person. Oh, my gosh. And, and happiness followed her. Most of our conversations may or may not have involved tequila and aguardiente. <laughs> so uh, we were definitely about doing the work, but having fun while we did that and really trying to understand, you know, how to make a difference in, in, on Cherokee Street and in St. Louis. Did she strike you as someone who thought about how she'd be remembered? You know, I don't know that that was necessarily important to her. She just knew that there were needs that need, needed to be filled. And because she was a convener and she knew different communities, so she was always building bridges, um, her goal was to bring us together to make sure we, that we made a difference. And it sounds like she has had such an impact herself, but also by bringing other people together, as you say. Um, what's the future of, of the neighborhood now? I don't know, but like I said earlier, it's going to be 
very sad to be on Cherokee Street knowing that she's no longer there. And I've I've spoken with Carlos and with Emily about what's next. What do we need to do to make sure that something physical remembers her legacy, but something long-term so that other people realize the trails that she blazed for all of us that came afterwards. And there, there are still s- some more goodbyes. Uh, there's a service, I understand, tonight to remember Minerva at St. Cecilia Church in St. Yes. Louis. What's going to happen tonight? Um, that will be a Mass in her honor. We, um, Her sister was able to get the ashes. We had a Mass on Friday, but we didn't have her there with us. Um, so the Mass at St. Cecilia will be tonight at 6 o'clock. I would encourage people, if you did not get a chance to attend her celebration of life on Thursday or the Mass on Friday, to stop by and that we pay our respects because she's been here doing this work so that we could continue it. Yeah, we're, we're delighted to have you on the program to talk about this. In the past week and a half, have you seen people sort of coming out of the woodwork and maybe speaking up about their experiences with her? I have. The Celebration of Life, I mean, it really was a cool opportunity to hear how different people interacted with her and and knew her, you know, more intimately. And I feel like we share a lot of the same common threads of you know, convening, family, making a difference. Um, and it, it really is what she was about. And maybe this is the toughest question, but in our remaining time, do you have a favorite memory that jumps out? Aguardiente and tequila, that's all I have to say. Fair enough. Uh, the Regional Arts Commission had some words. Uh, they posted that she was an active link between numerous communities working across identities and experiences. It sounds like there's a lot there for people to learn from. There definitely is. Like I said, she just had a special way of making sure that she was an advocate for our culture, but that she shared it in a way that was not threatening to others, in a way that empowered not just the people that are a part of the community, but others around her. Yeah. Well, we, we're remembering the, the life and work of Minerva Lopez Montaigne. I'm joined here by Gabriela Ramirez Ariano, co-host of the St. Louis Public Radio Produced Podcast. We live here on Tentico. You're also executive director of Center of Emerging Technologies at Cortex. Lots of memories of Minerva. Um, Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks to the station and everyone else for honoring her memory. Today's episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.